In this episode, my friend Muhammad and I discussed his discovery of the infinite banking concept. I had a lot of fun. It's a powerful episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. My name is James Nethery. I'm your host. I'm excited to have my friend Muhammad with us today. And uh, he's driven up here from Houston, Texas with his lovely wife that maybe you'll get to meet later, maybe not. Um, And, you know, he's just going to share who he is, what he does, and how he, you know, came to discover the infinite banking concept and... I really appreciate you taking the time to be here, Muhammad, and talk with us. Well, I'm, I'm definitely honored. I'm definitely honored and uh, anxious to talk about this subject. I am personally a financial th- enthusiast at heart, so I, 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 and the IBC kind of really uh, touched my heart when I found out what is inside it, the power packed in it. So this is an interesting subject for me as well. Perfect. Well, well let's just start right there. How did you come to discover how are you exposed to the infinite banking concept well like i said i'm a financial enthusiast so i kind of am open to and study all things financial but there was a movie that was produced uh, called generation one and the movie was directed toward the black community kind of outlining the disparaging uh um, nature of where we are financially and then at the same time encouraging us on where we should be uh, inside the video was a personality, um, Dr. David M. Anderson, that kind of really sparked my interest. He was very, very sharp, very passionate, very knowledgeable. So I began to kind of study him outside of the movie. Um, in one of his uh, talks, he mentioned Nelson Nash, and he spoke very fervently about getting to understand who this guy is, what he has to offer, and the benefits and potential benefits that, that, that exist. So on the strength of him and uh, the respect I had for his presentation, I went on my own self-study, and that was my introduction to Nelson S. Now, of course, Nelson, he gives you books and recommendations, so it just sent me on a spiral of study and study and study, and it just didn't end. I love that. When was that? When did you when did you watch that movie Generation One? And I'm I just learned we we uh, we probably spoke about forty five minutes before we turned the camera and the mics on, and we covered an awful lot of ground. Right. Um, and I'd never heard of David M. Anderson or Generation One, but mm-hmm. and we all have an opportunity to discover the movie and who David is. Um, but when was that? When when did you watch that movie? You know how how long ago was that? I want to guesstimate maybe. Two or three years ago, okay. So you've been on the path once. You, once you um, heard Nelson Nash, I mean that's just surely that's not the only thing that that talks about. David M. Anderson and Generation One, right? I mean, right. well, surely there are some other financial people or concepts in the movie, maybe. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, I think what kind of led me solid on um, Nelson Nash. And I, I have a, you know, when, when, when I thought about coming here, first of all, I didn't know what value I could bring to this platform because I watch it all the time and like you and Ryan just off the chain, just literally. So I'm like, man, how can I bring value? But I thought about my whole path and how I got here. And, uh, and just looking back, one of the things that I've done over the years is 
I have this philosophy on how I choose a mentor. It's not perfect, but it just kind of worked for me. And I'm looking for certain things when I when I look to find a mentor. One is a tenure in the subject. I'm looking for someone who's done what they're doing or presenting for, you know, 10 years plus a course of time, you know, has been through the cycles of, of, of the seasons of life. And then I'm looking for the fact that they've had success in what they're teaching. I know that sounds like common sense, but there's a lot of people that are successful in their own right, but speak on subjects that they're not necessarily successful in. And, mm-hmm. you know, of mm-hmm. course, Nelson kind of met that criteria. And then I'm looking for teachers who teach teachers. That A guru to me is the teacher who's the teacher of teachers, you know, who has produced. And, you know, Nelson has, you know, people like yourself that have gone on to grow their own platforms. So he, he kind of fulfilled that. And then lastly, what I look for is that way why. Someone who can not only tell you the way, but tell you why. And so these are the people that I tend to, you know, I'm open to all information. But when I want to give you a serious look, I'm, these are kind of my benchmarks, whether it's religion, whether it's financial, whether it's health. I'm looking for people that kind of meet that criteria. And Nelson was all that. So I said, I need to give him some attention. You know, so that's kind of how I really gave it, you know, the thumbs up and dived in deep. That's well put. Thank you. And I, um, excuse me, I asked you, I think last week or two, I'm like, Muhammad, would you, you know, would you entertain the idea of, you know, doing an episode with me? And you said, sure. Do you want to do it here in the studio or online? And I said, it was your choice. And so thank you. And then you drove up here from Houston. I mean, that's awesome. Um, and, and let me tell you, look, we love all of our clients, um, but some, you know, we love more than others. I'm just saying, um, you are very well spoken. You present very well. And I knew that you researched a lot, Mm -hmm. right? But I didn't know exactly how, Mm -hmm. you know, and what, or even the timeline, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I think that that's important and that was very well said Mm -hmm. i did kind of the same thing i mean i didn't have a very succinct criteria Mm -hmm. like you but you know i like to learn and i remember when i first read nelson's book it was unbelievable Mm -hmm. unbelievable and it was just the opposite of what i had been trained to do what i had been doing and my personal life and my professional life and there's just that paradigm shift of and thinking was a kind of a um, as a challenge to go against the norm, right? Mm-hmm. It's a challenge to go against what you think is true and the way you've been trained. And most people cannot, mm-hmm. you know, most people cannot when they're when they're thinking or their paradigm is challenged. It's difficult, and this is absolutely a challenge to traditional, typical, you know, financial thinking. And you almost have to get behind. You've got to get to the why, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. I'm going to have to sharpen up my criteria to pick mentors. <laughs> that was, you know, one, two, three. Well, I, I, you know, uh, one of the reasons why I was willing to, to drive up here, one, like I said, I'm a financial enthusiast. I just love all things financial. I don't know why I'm wired like that. But, you know, when you study uh, Nelson, and who he is, he was not a shallow person. You know, the depth of his wisdom, it, it speaks for itself. I'm, I, there's nothing I can speak on him. I'm not trying to even extend a compliment. But, 
the the people that I mean, who better to to be next to than the people who drunk from his cup? Yeah. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I, I mean, there's a lot of people that know a lot of things, but it's different when you are associated with someone who's walked with Nelson for 15 years, that had side conversations, that have, you know, not just textbook video, but that you can't even quantify that value. I mean, you can't, how do you quantify that value? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's what I've that. I mean, it's just a, just the, the conversation, the 30 minute behind conversation that we had was probably worth the trip in and of itself to me. To me, that that's you know, so it's things like that. But just back to the subject though, uh, and, and and this whole IBC, what I love about finance, what I love about it, is it's so encompassing, where it affects the person who's on the far end that's willing to kill themselves because they're not prepared to deal with it, to on the high end, to the philanthropist who changes the world. So finance is just totally encompasses our life. But as it relates to America. There is a circumference of thought. There's a diameter of, of, of wisdom and understanding. And most people are encapsulated in that, that circumference. And, and even the most intelligent of us are philosophizing inside that circumference of wisdom. And they are doing the best they can inside that circumference of wisdom. Yep. And one of the things that broke me out from the pack was there was a book What's the name of this book? I think it's, uh, let me see, I have some notes here because I wrote it down and I want to quote it correctly. I want to share this book with you. Have everybody. you read it? Yes. Just asking. Yes. <laughs> this was, here it is. The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffith. I know oh, you yeah. read it, right? Oh, yeah. This 600 is, page epitome. Oh, this is a must. Not a maybe read, a must <clears throat> read. And the reason why it's a must read because he is one of the few that deals with the problem from the core. All subjects financial are pretty much branch problem dealing with, kind of like, you know, but he's coming from the core telling you how the financial start, structure started, who's behind it, their, their motives, their MO, their whole nine. So once you walk away from this book, now you're like the eagle. You're looking over the economic context and you're able to see outside of it. If you can't see outside of the construct, you cannot appreciate fully what Nelson brings to the table. You know, <laughs> you really can't. So that, that you got to put that on your, your, your to-do list. That is a must. But when you have that wisdom and then now you see, because here's the problem. Most people that you're talking to they're inside that construct and they can't, you're just speaking, they, they can't, you're speaking over their head. It's not that they're not intelligent, right. but they're just not there. So when, you, when you're able to, um, to get outside of that construct and then appreciate that, it just takes it to a whole, whole nother level of appreciation of what his value is and then the whole thing of what's going on financially. I, I completely agree. You got to be an outside of the box thinker. Um, you know, when did when did you read that creature from Jack Island? Do you remember? It had to be within the last year or two, maybe right. a year and a half. So that uh, G. Edward Griffin, and that's available on uh, on download or DVD too. He's got or he's, there's an audio version oh, of yeah. that. Yeah, but you cheat yourself with you got to read the book, and then the 
audio is the icing on the cake. If I you agree. try to cheat yourself with the audio, you're going to miss a lot of nuggets. So you got to read the book. Well, that book is uh, the best I remember. It's like 600 pages. Mm-hmm. Right. Have you ever heard of Eustace Mullins? I've heard of that name. Okay. Um, he wrote a book. Now, and G. Edward Griffin published his book, I believe, in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. it's somewhere around there, late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eustace Mullins printed a book in 1952. It's called The Secrets of the Federal Reserve. Hmm. And it's out of print, but there's a lot of print copies available. And it's 200 pages. Hmm. All right. And I agree that you should read The Creature from Jekyll Island. Hmm. But if you want to get that knowledge in 200 pages, you got to read uh, Secrets of the Federal Reserve by Eustace Mullins. Hmm. So I'll give you a copy. Okay. All right. Okay. Great. And you can read that on your way home almost or mm-hmm. whenever you right. can home, right. then share with me. All right. Definitely. <clears throat> um, you do. Look, the, the banking function, who's performing the banking function in your life? Mm-hmm. That's really the question when it comes to the infinite banking concept and becoming your own banker. Um, it's who's performing the banking function. Banking is, banking exists, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, it's often said there's a, what we hear often is there's an, oh, there's a, uh, the oldest profession in the world. And I'm like, no, no. Banking is older than that because right. somebody paid for that activity. Somebody financed it. Right. All right. Now you think about that. Banking is, right? Banking exists. And whenever we abdicate our responsibility to perform the banking function as it relates to us in our personal economy, then somebody else is going to fulfill that. Mm-hmm. banking function and they're going to profit from fulfilling that banking function mm-hmm. so and i'm just um, getting to the point that banking is banking exists banking is going on in our life and you need to become your own banker so you can profit from that banking activity in your life and it's so simple it's very easy um, you almost have to unlearn a lot. We kind of talked about that's mm-hmm. one of the largest challenges we have because of our thinking is limited. It's almost like we live in a pre-constructed construct of financial thought mm-hmm. that's supported throughout our life, radio, media, education. And when you break outside of that, uh, you know, things start looking a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to someone a 600, a 600 page book, that seems pretty daunting, you know, or a 200 page book, you know, uh, it seems pretty daunting, but, you know, I, I wanna share another quote that I wrote. Well, wait, 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 it's like, how do you eat an elephant? Mm. One bite at a time. Mm. It's okay to read one chapter at a time, they're numbered, right? It's, just, it's okay to start in the beginning, read that, and you don't have to read a book in three hours, although it can be done. No, I mean, I agree that it is daunting. Uh, Unfortunately, average person is probably not going to do it, but it's only your life that you're dealing with. It's only only your life that's on the table. So I can't say it's easy, but I can say it's worth it. Um, There's a scholar, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. You may have heard of him. He's an astrophysical type of guy. Uh, but he has a quote, and the quote is not directed to the financial industry, but I'm stealing the quote but because it, it's so applicable to this conversation. But his quote is basically, 
that, and I'm saying the financial community is plagued with people, and this is where his quote comes in. There's a lot of people that know enough to believe they are right, but don't know enough to understand they're wrong. I love that. And the power, and that's so applicable. The the depth of the financial industry is so is so comprehensive. You know, it's so comprehensive that you can jump in on any angle and be right. And be right and argue your point fervently, but not understand that there's depth of wisdom and then not understand you're wrong. <laughs> Going back to our yep. behind the scenes conversation earlier about the 9010 and all that kind of stuff. So um, well, let's talk about that for a minute briefly. I mean, there's okay. a big work that it needs. We're not going to be able to cover it in this conversation, but we made a lot of ground the 30 minutes prior. Wow. Because, I mean, so you discovered this idea a couple of years ago, but you're relatively new with implementing this concept, mm-hmm. right? What's mm-hmm. the timeline on that? Rev- um, would you say, man, maybe uh, in implementing the mm-hmm. actual? Going through, getting policies in force and underwriting, oh, going through that. three months, maybe. All right, and I think that's important. Um, and so you probably... You probably discovered some of our videos on YouTube. Definitely, definitely. Came up on the recommended reading or recommended videos over there to the left, right? Definitely. And all kinds of stuff comes up over there. Right. And 9010 is very prevalent. Mm -hmm. IBC Hucksters. I'll call them out by name. They're right over there. Mm -hmm. I think they stalk us, you know, (laughs) and they stalk other channels. Um, But we spent... Out of that 30 minutes, I mean, that's not all we talked about. We talked about the MEC. We talked about a lot of things, the exponential curve. But we probably spent about 10 minutes on the 90-10 construct. And from what you've seen out there in the big wide world, it's very appealing, very attractive. It almost appears that's the way to do banking, Mm -hmm. quote, unquote, infinite Mm -hmm. banking, right? Right. But after the 10 minutes that we've spent, do you think that that's correct or – did you learn anything in the last oh, 10 minutes? Okay. Learning is an understatement. It's, it's, it's unfortunate we forget that, um, that business is business. And there's some people out there that's out strictly to do business. And, and you know, I, I don't know what's the ratio of those who are authentic or not. But, um, you know, there is an environment that's bait and switch. You know, there pe- that that. People are just trying to give you what you want and not what you need. So you have to be a savvy consumer and you have to be willing to go the distance and not be so immature as to be excited on what excites you immediately as opposed to how will this affect me and my family long term. You got to be in it long term. You got to be know what's the, you know, going back to Nelson, intergenerational. Your thought process financially has to be intergenerational. If you just after the now, the me, this not this is not the game for you. This is not, and I say that figuratively because financial is not a game, but right. this is not the arena that you want to play in. And for those who want to play like that, there are people that are waiting for you. <laughs> Make They're, it easy. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's what you want? Low interest rate? Come, come this way. Yeah. That's what you want? Come this way. And so that's what's, what's going on. There's a lot of things that right now seem exciting, beneficial, but we're not willing to go the distance. And that's what some of that 90-10 and all that stuff comes in at. Well, what'd you do? I mean, after, after you watched the, the movie and you listened to David talk and, you know, he mentions Nelson. And so you, you go to Nelson's site, you start reading his book. 
you know, tell us how that journey mm-hmm. developed. And yeah, I just I began to just study, uh, you know, ferociously. Uh, just Nelson has a one hundred uh, book recommendation. Um, I haven't read all hundred books, but I began to go into the books. The books bring you another place, and I just began to study and study. Um, you know, it, here's here's what I realized, and, and going back to. Um, I'm gonna give you a sneak preview of the of the Jekyll Island book and the book that you mentioned because it's so powerful. Because I realize most people, we just average people. We live in life. We're not thinking uh, outside uh, our daily, um, you know, habits or whatnot. But the book talks about there's an intentionality in how our economic structure is conformed, and it talks about the major players, i.e., the Federal Reserve, the the, the government and Wall Street and how they work and interact together to um, to affect our affairs. So what they have created has caused a slew of casualties in America, financial casualties. And what's presented from the IBC is a resolve to that or a way to circumvent that. And that's what I saw. And I'm like, whoa. Okay, first, it's one thing to see it and be frustrated, because you're going to be frustrated, right? You, you, you're like, you know, I can't believe this, you know what I'm saying? But then you, so you feel powerless. But here you come with a way to actually navigate. It, it, it's, man, I, I don't know. So that's, that's, that's how the layers start getting peeled back. I just began to see the system for what it was. And then I saw an alternative approach that allowed me legally, professionally, you know, all things inside. This is not, and that's another, you know, there was the too good to be true uh, phase sure. of my development. I'm studying. I'm like, no, nah, this is not right. There's no way possible. <laughs> I mean, it's, and you know, so I definitely went through that phase. And I think what helped me was. Um, you know, learning about the legal aspect of real estate. There's actually, I don't know, is there, what's the code? Do you know what that legal code is that uh, functions, that gives uh, insurance its tax uh, treatment? There's actual a code. I can't, yeah, I can't think of it off the top uh, of my head. Section 7707 in the Internal Revenue Code. Okay, so I begin to study that code. and hence, I, hence, if we go back a couple of years, you know, the 770 plan, mm-hmm. another gimmick uh, that was promoted. It was a takeoff of that hmm. section of the Internal Revenue Code. Sorry. Yeah, no, those, so that I, you know, I studied things like that. And then when I um, looked up the history, I said, so insurance is predates this entire construct that we're living in and talking about. (laughs) So that was a like, okay. Uh, I mean, it was just so many. The Internal Revenue Code was created in 1913. The same year the Federal Reserve was created. Mm. The same year that power was consolidated, diminished at the state level, consolidated at the national level. Because prior to 1913, the state senators, right, were appointed by the state houses. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the state houses appointed the senators to Congress. Right, so the, the state house of representatives of each state appointed the national senator. Mm. Right, so after, uh, and I, I can't remember what amendment that was, but I'll put it in the notes down there. 
But after, so 1913, they created the, the income tax, which is unconstitutional. Right. I don't care what you say. Um, and it's a voluntary system, and, and I'm not encouraging anyone not to pay taxes. You pay your taxes. <laughs> you pay your fair share of taxes. I pay mine. Don't want to wave a you know red flag at the bull. Right. I'm just saying there's it's unconstitutional. And I get it. The wars have to be paid for. The mm-hmm. roads have to be built. I understand all those arguments. Okay. But then they created the Federal Reserve, right, which is not – there's nothing federal about it. Right. right? There's no reserves, right? right? And it's a – a system, I guess you could say it's a system, the Federal Reserve System. It's also, it could be a cartel or, um, so my point is 1913. Um, what a coincidence, right? The Federal Reserve was created, the income tax was created, but here, life insurance predates that by a couple of hundred years. Mm. The idea of life insurance, the idea of insurance, mutual benefit, the idea of mutual benefit mm-hmm. goes way, way back to the very um, existence and creation of mankind, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get into the life insurance construct and, and insurance contract, it goes back to the days of Rome. Mm. You know, in the Roman armies, you know, those soldiers retired and then they had a guaranteed annuity payment, which an annuity is an insurance contract. Okay. You know, life insurance goes back several hundred years, mm-hmm. thousands of years. And so I'm just you know, expanding on the point that you made right. that life insurance predates the Internal Revenue Code. Right. So, and, and if you think of the extension of that too on qualified retirement plans, Nelson used to say all the time, "Listen, if the somebody creates a problem, i.e., onerous taxation, mm-hmm. and then they create a solution mm-hmm. or remedy to that problem, oh, tax qualified plans." Mm-hmm. Don't you feel like you might be being manipulated? Mm-hmm. I'm going to create the problem, and I'm going to create the solution. So, like, here, here was another light bulb for me. Speaking to that point, they created a system where all roads to access to capital lead back to them, and they're toll takers. <laughs> right, How right. convenient, isn't it? I mean, so for, <laughs> we create a system. Well, first, you need ca- access to capital, but if you need it, guess where you got to go? You got to go through me. So I was like, wow, wow. So that, hence, going back to the oh my God. 401Ks. Yeah, and- they want to, I mean, I feel like if you go get a loan, a conventional loan in today's conventional construct, do you ever, I feel like, I mean, I should roll up my sleeve and show them the number they've tattooed on me no. with the credit no. score. You know what I'm saying? Listen, listen, you're talking to a Hurricane Katrina survivor, right? So we went through Hurricane Katrina. Obviously, our whole financial situation got topsy-turvy. Sure. Ten years later, we're trying to recoup and recover. We we want a loan. We got to fill out the loan package. Do you know I had to write a paragraph explaining saying I went through the worst storm in America. I'm a good boy now. Please, uh, you know, we we made it. It was the most degrading. Yeah. Like, but this is what I had to do if I wanted to, to get a home for me and my family. So I'm like, to your point, I'm like, oh, my, this is crazy. This is crazy. And how much of that do you want? You know, how many, how much of that do you want? We can only take so much, you know, and I think I found in my experience, you know, uh, 
15 years I've been practicing this concept. I met Nelson about 15 years ago. 15 or 15. And after being in the life insurance business 14 years and moderately successful at least. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, not maybe not the first guy in line, but I mean, I was paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know, I was not walking around brain dead. You know, I'm paying attention, trying mm-hmm. to do better like everybody else. Okay. Um, in, in what I've experienced, um, most of the time, and Nelson always said this is more caught than taught, mm-hmm. but whenever an individual has had some less than pleasant dealings with the bankers, mm-hmm. i.e. the third-party lenders, mm-hmm. this this idea resonates a little bit quicker. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so I'm just saying there is a solution. Right. <laughs> there <laughs> right. is yeah. a solution. Oh, so, so the idea of having access to capital where you don't have to beg and borrow is literally your money. And uh, that just that and that alone is, is just the whole thought process of being able to finance your own reality and build a personal economy. Just that idea in and of itself. Let's talk about liberating. Man. Is that, did you ever get that liberating feeling from an IRA or a 401k? <laughs> I'm just asking. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm putting all my money in there. I'm taking all the risk. I can't access it. If I do, you're going to penalize me. When I do access it, it's grown, and you're going to take the money that I've took all the risks off of, and you're going to take a portion of that and give me what? Nah, I don't, I don't like that program. No. <laughs> I don't Sorry. like that program. Well, <clears throat> so um, that's very interesting. Okay, so I didn't know that about you and Katrina. Um, and so you discovered it, you've reading, you know, continue down mm-hmm. the, the learning, the development of, you know, the mm-hmm. it's almost like an onion being peeled absolutely. layer by layer absolutely. by layer. Did you get angry going through that process? Oh, Surely. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just, just discovering different things of what I could have done if I oh, would yeah. have known and just dis- discovering how so many people are ill-affected. And it's, it's basically a situation where you don't realize until it's too late. I'm talking about if you're just the average person, you're not thinking um, outside the box. If you just go through the system as a construct, you wake up at the end of your years, you know, you, you're at Walmart, you're trying to figure out how did this happen, you know, or whatever the situation is, you know. So, yeah, it was a lot of um, anger just looking at what was done, what is being done, how it's being done, and people that are not, just thinking we believe in the system we believe in the system like we know there's people that just believe in the system so it's frustrating uh to know that you know you believe in something and it's working against you and then the your friends not your friends but our friends friends in general that believe in the system Mm -hmm. and they're all in they almost look at you like you're suspect right what you mean you're not drinking the kool-aid like i am what's wrong with you and of course that happens in i think in any environment you know even in the infinite banking world if you know a bunch of life insurance agents get together and they're not all drinking the kool-aid from ibc you know they may look at each other a little bit of suspect you know what i think about when i think about they are so savvy the powers that be is not only that they create the system that ill affects you but then they foster the mindset that makes it complicit for you to, to function in it 
Then they give you a lens. They give you the glasses to see it their way. <laughs> and then they create the options. So you know, you know how you might get mad at Coca-Cola and go get another product? Well, Coca-Cola on that one too. Yeah. <laughs> so, the opposition. Right. You so you, you. you think you're making a choice yeah. and you really just feeding right into the system. That is some serious thinking. You know, let, let me ask you this. <clears throat> um, the government, through the Federal Reserve, can create all the money that they want right. in digits, right? Right. They've proven that. Right. Well, if that's true, and it is, why do they extract money from us through taxation? Mm. If they can create all the money in digits that they want, why do they need taxation? Hmm. Hmm. I've not had a legitimate answer to that question, and I've asked it for at least 10 or 15 years. If it's true, they can print all the money or digits that they want. Why do they need money through taxation? Why do they need taxation? I mean, are they just killing the money, getting it out of the economy? Hmm. You know, I don't know. Economists, there's a lot of economists that listen. Help me understand that. If you can print, if they can print all the money they want, why do they need? I think it's social control, frankly, hmm. but I could be wrong. And I'm just asking a legitimate question. Oh, that is legitimate. Right? And I would really like a legitimate answer. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, that is legitimate. So, all right. So you've gone through this process. You're about three months into it, did mm -hmm. you say? Yes. And then do you get pushback from, I mean, can you even share what you're doing with other people without getting some pushback? I don't know. When you say, did I get pushback from what? Your friends. friends? Or friends? anyone you share it with or try to bounce the idea off of? And you, you, you can't. You can't. Um, if someone hasn't studied it, um, you can't get any construct. Any any pushback you get is unfounded, and you have to just kind of respect it. You know, like when when the baby throws up on you, you don't slap the baby because you know it's a baby. You know that yeah. they don't know what they don't know. So I didn't get that kind of pushback, but my resolve came from my studies. You know, and I felt strongly about what I studied um, and the credibility of the people I was studying from. So it led me to stand on my own. So I, I wasn't uh, negatively influenced or shaken in any kind of way from outside forces. I kind of like stood on my own as a relationship. You didn't really need outside validation because I didn't. think that is a lot of the times what people seek is, you know, and I did the same thing when I read Nelson's book, you know, I'm like, wow, this is really good. Mm -hmm. This is really good. And I can't put my finger on what's so good about it. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong. And so I took several books to several clients, you know, just to see if they thought or if they were seeing what I was seeing, if they thought what I thought. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that would be some kind of similar, you know, I'm looking for right. confirmation. But and, you know, uh, I think there was about I can't remember how many books I gave out five to seven. You know, most of the my clients didn't read mm. out of the five or seven books. I think it was about seven books that I gave away. Um, three of them gave it a thorough reading mm. and they were the first clients that I had I mean I implemented this in my life first and they were right behind me mm. with clients and they'd been clients a long time you know so they we already had a relationship they already liked me they trusted me had a lot of money whatever you know we had a relationship previous like mm. you know five to ten years previous and then some of them wouldn't read the book. I asked them to read, and I give it to them. But God bless them. The ones that did read it thoroughly, they're like, James, is this legal? Change your life. It's life-changing. 
It is. So, all right. Well, what else? Tell us. Tell me. Tell me more. I'm all in. Yeah. So, let me see. My my experience. Um, it, it once I actually got into the process. You mean where are we talking about the learning process or the actual? All, but between the learning process, because, I mean, the learning really never ends, but right. you did your research. You've read Nelson's book. Tell us what you've read. You know, mm-hmm. you read mm-hmm. The Creature from Jekyll Island. Yes, yes. You read uh, Nelson's book. Nelson's book. I, one, of, one of my light bulb moments in Nelson's book was he talked about, um, he broke down how the financing aspect is overlooked. Um, he, he said that we, we spend, and I could be misscrewed on the numbers, but I think it's we do 20% on our cars, we do another 30% on housing, another 40 to 45% in living expenses, and then we have about 5 to 10% that we're trying to invest. And it's that 5 to 10% we spend time trying to make uh, 2, 3, 4, 5% when we're getting charged 30 to 40% on the 90%. When I was able to die, now it took me several readings yes. to concept that. I'm, I'm spitting it off now like I just know, but I promise you that went by me several times. Yep. But after reading the book over and over, and I'm, because I'm really, at this point, I'm, I, what is Nelson saying? What is the meat? I'm like, I want the meat. And when I saw that, I was like, wow. I mean, who do, I don't, who do you need to reference after you understand that? Exactly. (laughs) That is that's real. We barely saving five to ten percent and we we making intelligent arguments about gaining three to four, five, six, seven, eight percent on this much of our money. Scraps. If we solve the bigger problem, Mm -hmm. then we create a serious tailwind and there is no competition. There is no So that that was a light bulb moment. That was a big deal. Nelson was being generous. He 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 used the example of saving ten percent, and he would say, "I'm being generous." And then he would show the average savings rate in America, and it was at that uh, appallingly low, and it still is. Right, it's less than four percent mm. saving. And he's using ten, but he was being generous. He's always a generous gentleman, you know. Right. So that was a big light bulb moment. Yeah. Yeah. Don't focus on the thirty-three and a half cents, and that's what he used. And today, and we mm-hmm. kind of brought this up prior to turning on the TV or the TV, the camera and the, the mics that mm-hmm. what I see is 40 to 50, 55% by volume, right. Is going away from the average all American individual. Nelson used 33 and a half cents. Mm. And it's, it's worse than that. You know, America today is going broke at six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10% rate, but, 40, 50% by volume of money that's flown away from them financing everything that they're financing. Mm-hmm. So great point. Yeah. That was a a, a light bulb moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. They keep coming though, don't they? They do. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the more you read, the more you get out. Yeah, the more and, you know, the more you know you don't know. And the more you grow and go back and read the stuff you already read, yeah. then stuff jumps out at you yeah. from a whole different perspective. So that, yeah, you got to get the book, and it becomes a reference point at that point. Have you seen Nelson's 10-hour seminar? I haven't. I haven't. Well, I'm going to give you that on your way home. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. we put a link, um, because, you know, Nelson used to travel the country. Right giving 10-hour presentations. Well, you graduated. You know, you're not going to have the opportunity to see him. Right. Well, they happen to have recorded it at, at NNI, and they, they even updated the recording, right? Mm. So I think it was done 
I don't know, I'd have to ask David, 2013 or 14. Mm-hmm. So he, the 10-hour presentation is available at the Nelson Nash Institute in their store. We'll put a link down below. You, in my opinion, can't have a full education without watching that 10-hour seminar. So I'm going to give you one. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're welcome. Thank and you so much. You have the opportunity <laughs> to buy them down below. I think they're they're affordable, too. I think they're $150. I don't know how much they are, but you should buy one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it will help. You'll, you'll enjoy that, I promise. Definitely. And so what else? What else did you read? What else did you do? Did, have you read his second book, Become Building Your Warehouse of Wealth? Yes. Yes. Definitely got the Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, which only makes sense. It, it, that's very simple. The message is simple, that your money has to reside somewhere. At the end of the day, your money is going to be somewhere. And what better place to be than somewhere that you control that's going to be a hedge against inflation, hedge against taxation. I mean, it's it's, it's so self. I, I'm saying that now because I'm on the other side. But, man, yeah, that, that, the, that, that book was, uh, was powerful in and of itself, too. Store. What was the was, was the official title of that book? Building your warehouse of wealth. Building your warehouse of wealth. Yes. The blue book. Second printing. My endorsement's not in the second printing. I mentioned that on a previous podcast. <laughs> and David said he's going to straighten that out they on cut the you third out? printing. They did. Oh wow. Yeah, they did. But I have the original. So I mean, and then Ryan and I spoke about it one time, and Ryan was adamant about you know making an oral history. Right. So I called out David on it, and David's like, "What? What?" Right. So, yeah, but, but I, he did say he would remedy that. Did I say that he would put it back in the third printing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting him on blast. <laughs> okay. Have you read um, how privatized banking really works? Does that with uh, Car um, Carlos Lara? Yeah, Carlos and Rob. Yes, Bob yes. Murphy, yes. Robert Murphy. Yes. yes, I've read that one. That's an excellent read as well. It kind of uh, parallels. Uh, it goes into what. Um, the Jekyll, some of the some of the Jekyll um, creature from Jekyll Island stuff, but yeah, that's a great read as well. Yeah, it I talks about that. fractional reserve banking, right. sound money, and the infinite banking concept, mm-hmm. and and really secession, seceding. This is, you know, one of the things that Carlos and Bob seen whenever, you know, they read Nelson's "Becoming Your Own Banker," mm-hmm. was, you know, the the. The libertarians, the Austrians, they can gripe about the Fed, you know, in the Fed, in the Fed, and talk about controlled opposition, all right? Um, You know, Ron Paul is not the only one who's opposed the Fed. He is most recent in our lifetime, but it goes all the way back, you know, since 1913. Mm -hmm. Uh, Henry T. McFadden was a gentleman. There's a lot of writing and speaking against the Fed, and Mm. anyway, he... It wasn't a successful career for him opposing the Fed. Mm. Okay, it was. It came to an untimely end. Anyway, my point is um, that that end the Fed. We would all love to end the Fed, mm-hmm. right? And the Austrians talk about that and talk about that and talk about that and talk about that. Mm. Becoming your own banker is a way for you and me at the you and me level to Mm -hmm. secede from this cartelized banking system. Now, just think about that. And either that's a true statement and worth your investigation or Muhammad and I are just, you know, talking out of craziness. Right. You know, it's either true or it's not. And if it is, or it might be, you should investigate. You know, while I'm listening to you, you know what I'm thinking about? 
You know, you say the word Austrian and it's really on this level, it's a take for granted. But do you know, prior to studying that I never n understood that there were different schools of thoughts financially? I'm, I mean, I, you take that for granted now, but I mean, mm -hmm. the Austrian uh, financial uh, thought is is totally uh, different. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's apples to oranges, and I just took for granted that what was what was. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I didn't understand that it was a, a different way, so to speak. So that's that's a that's an interesting awakening in and of itself, is that there's another way that we can do business financially and that this construct it, it you know is is not the be all and end all to the financial way of life. Um in the in the in this just like now here's just a personal testimony. I grew up Christian up until the age of 19, I didn't know uh, that a Holy Quran or Islam, I didn't know that this book was a reality. Like a billion people in the planet is practicing this faith. But in my circle of influence, Islam. yeah, Islam, When I, in my circle of influence, Christianity was all I knew. So I'm saying that as Americans, it's just, we not, it's just is what it is, you know? And so when you say Austrian, People like, what are you talking, you know, you might say it, but people like, what are you talking about? So sometimes you got to really remind people that there are other layers of schools of thoughts to doing things and that we're just bound by this way. Just as much as there is a capitalism, mm -hmm. socialism, different other uh, ways that govern different societies, that's how it is financially. And we and so. That was a that was a light bulb moment when I came into under the fold of the IBC and just the whole thing. It's like, what is Austrian? Yeah, and that I am. So that's that's a beautiful light bulb in and of itself. I'll put a link about Austrian economics, and I love the Austrians. I mean, I'm not. Um, I think they have it more right than the other schools mm -hmm. of economic mm -hmm. thought. Um, I don't know that they're a hundred percent right, but I think they're closer than the rest of them. Mm -hmm. No question about that. All right, so that was another light bulb moment then. Absolutely. Right. <clears throat> and then, how, so how did you, how did you, what did you do, you know, after you're doing the reading, you're online, YouTube, watching, are you reading articles on Google, or what else are you reading? I'm reading, I, I got to a point where I wanted to get involved. Um, but I had to do some, put some personal things in play. And, 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 and this is where it gets controversial, uh, you know, because, and I, I don't know if you will appreciate this or disagree with this, but. Oh, he's going to throw me a curveball right here. <laughs> you know. Um, I do have the power to edit, I'm just saying. <laughs> you're right. Right. So, um, you know, in the, in the financial realm, there's the, the Dave Ramseys of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And when I say or use the word Dave Ramsey, I'm not talking about an individual. I'm talking about an approach, a body of knowledge, a body of wisdom, right? And so when we talk about this financial construct that we've been talking about for the last 30 plus minutes, right? There's casualties of war to that system. Sure. And those, and it's a debtor society. So those, those casualties have been Henpecked have been nailed to the cross by debt. So you're speaking to a lot of people that intellectually can understand and appreciate what you're saying, but can't 
economically respond because they're casualties to that system. Absolutely. Right. Or they feel like they can't. Okay. Right. They, a lot of them may not be able to, but a lot of them may be able to respond, mm -hmm. although they feel like they can't. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. I completely agree with you. We are, we are born into this debtor construct, and you didn't have a choice. Right. Now, the, 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 the Dave Ramsey and the IBC camp has been kind of like the Hatfields and McCoys. You know, <laughs> as, <laughs> bunch of hillbillies, huh? <laughs> right, as I've studied. But, but really, oh. I've had the luxury to step back without a bias. I, I don't have a dog in a fight. You're not a Hatfield or McCoy. Right. Huh? Okay. And, and, and from that position, I see the value that both camps bring to the table. And really, they're on the same battlefield. And uh, so, so I'm a benefactor of, of the Dave Ramsey. There's some things that he's doing or that he's done that is addressing the casualties of the system. Because Absolutely. IBC kind of meets you at par. In other words, what I'm saying, IBC is, needs a person that's one discipline, that has the financial wherewithal to invest to a certain limit. And so it... it you have to be at that part to really jump in. Now, I've heard people speak of IBC as a debt weapon. I've never heard Nelson use it as that. Nope. And I'm sure that it probably can do something to get you out of debt. But it's construct. It's not aimed solely and designed for that. So when Dave deals with that issue and kind of brings a person that has been a casualty of the water system up to par then they're better positioned to take advantage of what IBC, this is just my humble opinion, what IBC has to offer. Now, I also am uh, a student of the whole A.L. William Camp. I think we talked about this, so I understand that psychology. I'm, I'm from that. Did we talk about that? Long, you might not remember. We in passing, we okay. We, we talked about A.L. Williams. Yeah, you uh, and you shared with me some of your history. Oh yeah, but um, if 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 we're being honest, please. The shots given to IBC, which which that camp, the Dave Ramsey camp, they speak uh, as if cash value is the death of all deaths. Right? You don't 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 go near it or yeah, whatever. Right. But the shot that they're speaking to is not the Nelson Nash IBC that we understand. They're speaking to a cash value system that was designed for you to pay the minimum, uh, the minimum premium for the highest death benefit. That's what he's targeting and attacking. Now, the common person who don't study wouldn't know that and might be turned off altogether to the IBC. So I think the educational construct has to be not a, and this is a street terminology, clap back from my community. You ever heard that? No. Okay. Educate me. Okay. Clap back just basically, if you throw me an insult, I throw you one back. Okay. Okay. So we. That's cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we shouldn't necessarily clap back at Dave, mm -hmm. right? Because he's really not speaking to what we represent in the IBC world. And I think the people are wise enough to understand when they're presented with it that way. But I think that it's just human nature. When someone gives you a shot, right, 
we give them, they give you the right, you give them the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the real casualties are the spectators that can benefit off the wisdom of both. I agree. Yeah, yeah. But Nelson is not shallow in no way. He he is a major player that we need what he has. But Dave has brought a lot to the industry. I, I would sit with him and argue on that level of his program as far as mutual funds to IBC. I would argue in favor of IBC. But here's what we have the the tendency of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And that's my one disagreement about some of the things I've seen as it relates to that Hatfield McCoy. We throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I don't think that's good for the spectators like me who really, who has been a beneficiary of both sides and, and the others potentially that can be a beneficiary of both sides. And really you insult the intelligence in thinking that the people are not wise enough to discern the difference. I agree with that. <clears throat> Thanks for sharing that. I, you know, I forgot that we had talked about A.L. Williams because 1991, when I entered into the financial world permanently, I went to work with a Fortune 50 company that their whole program was buy term and invest the difference. Right. Right, and then A.L. Williams, is my understanding, he was a regional sales manager for that firm, and he had left years earlier mm -hmm. and started, uh, you know, multi-level marketing. I don't remember what it was called. Maybe it was just A.L. Williams that developed into Prime America, mm -hmm. right? And it was selling term insurance. Mm -hmm. And he was a coach, and he had a great heart-wrenching story about his, how his daddy died, and he had a whole life, and the death benefit was low, and he should have bought term insurance. And um, and then, you know, they also, that was part of the collusion, the term promoters, A.L. Williams mm -hmm. and others, colluding with Wall Street and the Senate that developed in the late 80s mm -hmm. that developed the MEC guidelines, modified endowment contract guidelines for life insurance, i.e., oh, life insurance is too good. This was the argument from the term promoters in Wall Street. We can't compete with it. So it's a tax loophole for the rich, mm. colluded with the Senate, and the Senate limits on it, put limits on how much you could pay into life insurance. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I went in 1991, I, I bought that hook, line, and sinker. You know, it's a good argument. Right term is cheaper you should invest the difference and it requires discipline what i discovered in my personal practice at that time was uh, people are undisciplined they don't save the difference and their need for death benefit they never outgrew mm -hmm. right and then also the markets never went up as they were projected you know we didn't go to any financial you know guru and and talk about investments in the market, and they're going to start showing us pie charts that go from here to the moon, mm -hmm. right? And that's not really what happens. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I agree that mm -hmm. completely that discipline, if you don't have discipline, and Nelson even says, if you don't have discipline, you might as well have someone dig you a hole and you jump in <laughs> it and have them cover you up, you know, because right. nothing's going to work right. without discipline. And everything worth doing requires some discipline. Um, but there's no doubt about the debt, the debtor is servant to the lender. Mm -hmm. No question. You know, and if you don't have discipline, if you don't control the banking function, someone else is, mm -hmm. and they're going to profit from it. Mm -hmm. And, 
you mentioned earlier all this construct, all roads lead back to the people who control the capital, mm-hmm. you know, and then mm-hmm. both both sides, you should do this, mm-hmm. but, oh, you need capital, they're controlling that side, and, mm-hmm. oh, you should do this, they're controlling that side. I mean, you, it, it doesn't take long in America to feel like the manipulation is is real. You know, mm-hmm. we're being manipulated. But it's, that whole, excuse me, I mean, to jump okay. in there, but that whole buy term, Investor difference and the the mutual fund psychology, in my humble opinion, I think that is the scholarship thinking of that world. Yep, it's it's really good in that world. <laughs> it's really good in that world. But when you when you go to good, better, best, the best thing to do as it relates to storing money, banking, controlling your finance, is to have it in a um, cash value policy where it's free from taxation, you have unlimited access, you're able to hedge against inflation. I mean, all the benefits is just a no-brainer. So the see, the focus then right there comes off of the death benefit, mm-hmm. right? The largest death benefit for the smallest premium term. Right. The focus immediately comes off of that. Mm-hmm. And then the focus is on access to capital mm-hmm. that's exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. and the whole the whole world of academia when it comes to life insurance they have life insurance as a tool for a death benefit and they cannot see past that mm-hmm. they jump smooth over the the need that the all-american has mm-hmm. for financing and that's what nelson discovered or that's what nelson emphasized mm-hmm. right and then added scale to and he said always that your need for banking, your need for finance is greater than your need for death benefit. So when the focus comes off the death benefit and it focuses on access to capital, oh my gosh, then uh, uh, the, your finances become a, a, at least, I want to say a lot clearer, mm-hmm. or at least more in focus. Mm-hmm. To, if I focus on the money that's leaving me, right, on the things that I'm going to purchase anyway, mm-hmm. and, and if I want to lessen my dependency on the construct, I mean, it becomes very clear and very simple, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, really the further down this path we go, the clearer it becomes. You get to the point where I don't care what the interest rate is. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the dividend scale is. <laughs> I don't care what the market is right. or isn't. I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Why? Because he who has the gold makes the rules. So whenever you have access to a reasonable source of capital to fulfill your own banking requirements, mm-hmm. what else matters right. in the financial world? You know, this, when I was growing up, and I grew up poor, mm-hmm. okay, or, and I, but I didn't know it, you know, I want to say I grew up poor, but I didn't know it, you know, I didn't go without. Um, but when I was a young man, my dad would say, you know, James, when I was young, I had to go to the banker with my hat in my hand and ask mm-hmm. permission. And then, you know, my dad graduated way too young, but before he graduated, that's probably 14 years ago that he did graduate, mm-hmm. but he would say, James, the bankers come to me with their hat in their hand. Mm. And let me tell you what, when you get to experience that in your lifetime, and I'm sure you will, Muhammad, it's, oh my gosh, that feeling that you went through Mm -hmm. to get a loan after Katrina that tells who you are and justify yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? Mm, Get out of my office. Oh my gosh. What's the rate of return on that? (laughs) How much interest are you going to pay on that loan? What's the dividend scale on that? I mean, it's 
it changes, right. you know, your perspective. My, well, the message, if I could send to anyone that is considering on the fence studying, you have if you're not willing to understand that you exist inside a matrix uh, of economic thought, if you're not humble enough to, to, to make that declaration and then willing to step outside of that matrix, to look at the matrix and the available options, then it's, it's a mute point. It's, it's, it's a mute point because you are emphatically inside a matrix, not only a matrix that's hitting you externally, but giving you the lens to see it. Not only is it affecting you, but it's giving you the lens to see it. Primary, the conversation we had earlier, you know, our thought is we, the barometer of success in financial was interest rate. If, if I'm just an average, average person, if you talk in finance, you sit me at the table, the first thing I want to know is interest rate. Well, in the realm of wealth, interest rate has no, it has little, you know, it's, it, it's a Jedi mind trick. And if you're, not, <laughs> if you're not willing to come to that conclusion, you're just going to be, you're just going to be a pawn in a bigger game. You know, so you, you got to be humble enough to realize that to take this step and really benefit long term. If you if you have if you're willing to investigate without prior preconceived right. conclusions, no mm -hmm. yeah, right, Un, unbiased, just investigate. It it may be for you, mm -hmm. and it may not be for you. Right. But uh, with a legitimate unbiased investigation, um, there's no telling what you can learn. Right. Oh my gosh, no telling. Yeah. You know. I think they thought the uh, they thought the world was flat at one time, right? They did. Scared to travel to the end thinking they would fall off, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that because, uh, you know, research comes up a lot. As I talk to clients, prospective clients, well, I've done my research, James, and, you know, and this or this is so. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by research, Muhammad? Mm. You know, does that mean you went on Google? Mm. You know, if you go back to the mid-1400s, right, what if Christopher Columbus did some research mm. whether the world was round or flat? What would his research show? It would show that the flat. earth was flat. Right. Well, hell, that's not research. Right. That's a gathering of the consensus. Mm. Right. All right. So there is a difference between research and a gathering of the consensus. And I think that whenever you and, and the, I think personally, I believe to have a guest like yourself, mm -hmm. that well-spoken, intelligent, you did your research mm -hmm. And you read Nelson. I mean, it started, which it always does. It starts from some unseemingly connectivity. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you watch a movie, you resonate with the speaker in the movie, you listen to a lot of his talks, and then you research what he references, mm -hmm. and then you wind up. You're sitting in Alvarado, Texas on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon because you watched the movie right. three years ago. Who would have thunk it, right? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> like everything in God's creation is connected, my right. opinion. Right. Um, anyway, so my, my point being is that you did your research. What what should people do? You know, Should they do exactly what you did? If so, what is that? And if not, why not? And what, you know, what should someone do? Mm -hmm. In your humble opinion, if they really, truly want to vet this idea. Mm. I think that they should uh, look at all sides. Um, you know, I speak about um, the book with uh, Griffin and all that stuff. But I, I honestly, I studied um, 
the Federal Reserve from the Federal Reserve's position. Not a book against the Federal Reserve, but their writings and what their perspective was. As a matter of fact, um, I want to say I'm going off of memory, but uh, Ben Bernanke did a four-day lecture series speaking to the students in Washington, D.C. It was quasi-centered around the 2008 crash, but in that four-series lecture, he did an exegesis of the Federal Reserve, the history, what they represent, why they take the positions they take, and he really laid it out. Now, to the average person, it might wear you out to to watch a four day. I'm trying to keep my eyes <laughs> my eyes from rolling in the back of my head, but but it was an opportunity to hear from the horse's mouth. Yeah, it was it was you you can't say you know conspiracy theory whatever. This was them saying their position, and so I took that, listened to it openly, and then I read the books that we espoused earlier. And then, so you have to be willing to go on both sides. You gotta yeah, sure. real, hear both sides. And then you gotta let the chips fall where they may. It may land you somewhere, it may not, but you have to be objective and open to both sides. You know, so that, that would be my, my suggestion, to be open, to be open, to be open to both sides. And my, my encouragement is to read Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, his Definitely. second book, Definitely. Building a Real House of Wealth. And we spoke of these earlier mm-hmm. and uh, how privatized banking really works. I'm partial to or I'm biased, prejudiced to the uh, Banking with Life DVD because I was the executive producer of that, Labor of Love. But And it's not a you know a commercial for me. It's unscripted. Mm-hmm. You know, so – and then the uh, – the series, a 10-hour seminar of Nelson. Mm-hmm. I think if one would read those books, watch those videos, you're going to be in a position that, it, that this idea either makes sense to you or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to implement it, then I think that you should go, you should either call our office, that's my shameless plug, mm-hmm. or and or go to the Nelson Nash Institute infinitebanking.org on there there's a practitioner finder no matter what state you're in or in Canada Hawaii um, even around the world there's some people around the world that can do business in the U.S. and you can become your own banker Um, that's a whole nother podcast I'm just saying wherever you're at that's the foundational reading and watching in my opinion to get a firm a solid foundation on this idea. Mm-hmm. And then when you want to implement it, you should go to the Nelson Nash Institute and find a practitioner. And you're either going to like them or not, right? I mean, at the end of the day, this is free contract with free people. Life insurance is a contract. It's a unilateral contract, right? Einbeinstrasse. Um, they can't change anything about a contract once it's issued. But, And that's the basis of the free market mm-hmm. is free and independent interaction between men. Mm-hmm. Like it's a home. This is the way all business should be done. Absolutely. Anyway, Absolutely. so that's my that's my <laughs> encouragement. <laughs> and then skip over a lot of these videos that are coming up to the to my left. You know, on this recommended reading, it's like go to the horse's mouth. Go to the Nelson Nash Institute and start learning there. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you know just what I just referenced. Then watch all those other videos as secondary supplementary because right. if you if you've read the books and watched the videos that i just referenced you'll be able to spot the wheat from the shaft in short order mm-hmm. and nobody has time to waste i mean there's plenty of time but none to waste 
Have you ever talked about how to choose a practitioner? I have not. I mean, you get this knowledge. It's so much information out there. How do you land on the person you're going to land on? How do you, you know, choose that person? I mean, for I mean, for me, it just was a, a no-brainer in the sense that, you know, like I said earlier, someone who has walked, ate, sat down with, and been with Nelson, in the scheme of all the people that's out there, you know, it's kind of like, uh, the founding fathers, you know, George, your best thing to George Washington would be, you know, Madison or whoever, you know what I'm saying? So that's when I looked at it. Um, that's how I saw it. Because there's so many people out there that are espousing to know IBC, mm-hmm. that are espousing to to have all these great ideas and information, but really haven't gone the distance. And this approach is comprehensive. It's a lot. And if somebody just said they picked it up last week and they're excited about it, you really want to run from that type of person, you know. Well, how, how did you do it? Uh, one, yeah, like I said, once again, I, I studied Nelson and I began to identify the people that were associated with him. So I would see him in videos. I personally saw him speak about you, you know, preferably. I personally saw him speak about um uh, Murphy, Robert Murphy and and those guys. So, okay, I'm saying, okay, these are his, you know. And so then that would lead me to study uh, those platforms and then I got more and more information I felt comfortable. And so that's that's how I, that's how I made my choice. Right. Well, and you, you narrowed the field down. Um, and thank you, you know, I mean, I mm-hmm. appreciate the opportunity. Um, but you've narrowed the field down, you know, if uh, the Nelson Nash... 2020 think tank was just last month um and i think there were 122 attendees there not all of the practitioners were there i don't know how many practitioners are now recognized in the nelson nash institute i think somewhere around 400 Mm -hmm. right well out of that 400 there was only 100 and maybe 60 there this year and i'm getting to this that if you're looking for a practitioner who has spent time shoulder to shoulder with Nelson, mm-hmm. um, you know, the field narrows, mm-hmm. right? And there's probably down to, I don't know, 150, 200 men or individuals across the country. Mm-hmm. And then out of those, um, I don't know how many have spent much time or how much time those individuals have spent with Nelson. Mm-hmm. But when you get down to spending, you know, 10 to 15 years with Nelson, you're really narrowing the field down. I'm talking about um, hosting them, spending that time off camera, you know, and I, there's a great value in that. I assure you, I'm thankful. I'm a blessed man, I promise you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really narrows the field down. Mm-hmm. And those 40 or 50 men, however, individuals, however many they are, can handle all of the people that mm-hmm. are coming mm-hmm. Because they're being exposed to this idea, and they're coming, they want the truth. They wind up at the Nelson Nash Institute, um, and so my encouragement would be to do your homework first, mm-hmm. and then reach out to you know people you either know that are doing it and doing it correctly. Um, and what I mean by that, correctly, they, I, in my opinion, if they're not recognized by the Nelson Nash Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't encourage anyone working with an agent if, unless they're a member of the Nelson Nash Institute. And I'm a big promoter and com- of the Nelson Nash Institute. You know, I'm completely biased. You know, that was created to 
um, have some kind of shape and form to Nelson's legacy, mm-hmm. right? So um, I'm, a, I'm a staunch supporter of the Nelson Nash Institute. And now, consequently, I believe that there's going to be a cleaning of the house, too, because they're out of those 400 members or recognized practitioners, um, a lot of them, I'm using the terminology of walk-on. Mm-hmm. You know, now there's a process in place to become a recognized practitioner that did, has not always existed. Mm. And that process was an interview with Nelson, the board members, Nelson, David Stearns, Robert Murphy, mm. and Carlos Lara. From there, then, then you're either accepted or not. And if you're accepted, then you're invited to... Um, go through the coursework curriculum that has some minimal thresholds of Austrian economics and life insurance. Then there was a mentorship program, and then mm-hmm. you could become a recognized practitioner. Mm-hmm. Well, the Nelson Nash Institute was created in 2013. It was formed up in 2012, officially launched in 2013. So all of the members that existed prior to the formation of the Nelson Nash Institute. You know, Nelson's had think tanks in Birmingham, Alabama, since about 2002. Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of people attending think tanks prior to the Nelson Nash Institute. Mm -hmm. And those individuals had the same opportunity to become members of the Nelson Nash Institute, but they didn't have the interview process. They just had to take curriculum some coursework in austrian economics they passed that then they could become a recognized member all right so this may be more than you want to know <laughs> but um, we call them walk-ons right they mm-hmm. they didn't go through the interview process and i'm one of them mm-hmm. all right i mean i didn't formally go through the interview process um formally i mean i had lots of conversations with all of those gentlemen but that's because you predated the right Okay. And, and my commitment was support from the beginning, right? So I'm 001. That's why I'm the first recognized practitioner. Not, I'm not even promoting that. I'm just saying I predated that. I'm right. a walk-on too. Right. right. So we all may um, have to go through new interviews. <laughs> and then bring it on. Bring it on. So all right, thanks for letting me share that. I'm just – my point being – that if you want to vet this idea, do your own homework, do your own education. We've laid out, we've talked about what you should consider reading and what you should actually read. And then my encouragement is to go to the Nelson Nash Institute and then, you know, interview them, call them, contact them, and you determine which, who, who's the best match for you, whether it's locality or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, most of everyone that I'm aware of in the Nelson Nash Institute, they practice what they preach. They're doing it. You know, that was a prerequisite way back in the day that if you didn't own life insurance and if you weren't using it, you couldn't be a practitioner. Mm. And that still exists today, which that doesn't mean that every practitioner is going to want to show you their policies. Most of them will not. I mm. don't, don't have an entitlement attitude like, oh, let me see all your policies. I've talked about that before. I'm just saying. Um, where else should they go? What else should they do, Mohammed? Was that enough for him? I think that was enough. I think that's a lot. It's um, a pretty powerful yeah. little episode here. Yeah. Be open. Do your research. Um, compare objectively. Um, vet out the uh, practitioner. Um, you can't get to the all the good ones. Like, I got a chance to, but... Do the best you can, and I, I don't know. 
<laughs> do the best you, if, that, if somebody does the best they can that's absolutely good enough yeah you know that'll get it done and thank you for saying that I appreciate that mm-hmm. alright listen that was you have any parting words of wisdom uh no, I, I think we covered it. No pressure. I think, co- <laughs> I think we covered it. I think, I think this is very powerful. I mean, but, you know, I get up from every episode and think, man, that was the best one ever. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you for listening. We had fun and hope you enjoy. Come back and listen again. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.